Open up to Ecclesiastes. That's where we're going to be today. Actually, two places. Go to Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 Chronicles 1. Ecclesiastes 1 and 2 Chronicles 1. Solomon uh, is the writer of Ecclesiastes. He probably, it probably was written uh, 10th century B.C. And he wrote three books in the Bible. Uh, in order, they are the Song of Solomon, in, in the order of writing, Song of Solomon, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. If you ever, uh, and I hope you have, if you ever uh, read Song of Solomon, it's a book of optimism and romance, and uh, he, he wrote that as a young man. Uh, he then wrote um, Proverbs as a middle-aged adult, uh, and it is full of wisdom from the Lord, and when we look at Second Chronicles, we'll... In fact, let's look at Second Chronicles 1 right now. So, Solomon, um, when he was king, God appeared to him and asked him, what's your desire? And this is what we see Scripture record in Second Chronicles 1, verses 7 through 12. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we look at... uh, Solomon's life, Lord, may we apply uh, those lessons learned to our own. Lord, may we grow in your word and in knowledge of your uh, scripture, and Lord, may we um, be nearer to you than when we came. Thank you for your word that corrects us, rebukes us, encourages us, and Lord, uh, gives us uh, wisdom for life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Proverbs is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, been going through it uh, with my oldest grandson for over a year now, and it contains so many nuggets um, to help live a life pleasing to God. And we see the blessing of God's wisdom in Proverbs um, that uh, Solomon penned. Um, but there was one parameter um, that Solomon ignored, and it led him away from the God who had blessed him. And God said, there are women from nations that you are forbidden to marry. And as he ignored that, he started to get further and further away from the Lord. So, um, and these marriages weren't motivated by love, they were motivated by politics. As Solomon sought to bring glory to Israel, he started to um, act contrary to the word of God. So many, much of uh, Solomon's life was spent chasing the things under the sun, which is a phrase that is uh, seen often in Ecclesiastes. 
So it's much later in life when he writes Ecclesiastes and he starts to lament um, for the, over the time that he's uh, wasted seeking pleasure. He then becomes um, cynical and is left with an empty feeling um, that this world will give you when you seek after uh, the pleasures of the world and start serving someone and other than the Lord. And this is what we'll see in Ecclesiastes. A couple of key phrases that we're gonna, we'll see over and over. Solomon used the word vanity as in vanity of vanity 38 times in Ecclesiastes. And vanity means emptiness or futility. And um, think, that, think of vanity this way. It's something that appears quickly and disappears quickly and leaves nothing behind. And as I was writing my notes, I immediately thought of Hollywood. Um, where, you know, they, you know, so many actors, actresses, they appear quickly and disappear quickly. And yet they're scratching and clawing to hold on to the, you know, this world. You know, when they're 60, they're trying to look 30. And then, you know, they fill in their their face with Botox and, you know, they have, you know, facelifts and they're so, they can barely talk, you know, that their face is so stretched. So, I mean, they're just clawing and grasping um, at the vanity that they so, you know, so love. Um, All right, so vanity of vanities, 38 times, and then he used the term under the sun 29 times. So both of these phrases are important uh, to understand Solomon's view of life at this point. And uh, remember that he's looking at life from an earthly perspective. G. Campbell Morgan, um, who uh, was one of Pastor Chuck's favorite commentators, summed it up this way. This man had been living through all these experiences under the sun, concerned with nothing above the sun, until there came a moment in which he had seen the whole of life, and there was something over the sun. It is only as a man takes account of that which is over the sun, as well as that which is under the sun, that things under the sun are seen in their true light. So what he's saying is, until you understand that there is a God in control, complete control, you cannot have the proper perspective of things under the sun. So the title of the message this morning is Sun Worshipper, and we're only going to look at two main points because, you know, Pastor Tim can have four or five and puts them all in, you know, um, what's that word? Come on, Scott, help me out. Anyway, they all start with the same letter, okay? Alliteration. So um, I have two points, life lived under the sun and life lived with the sun. So we're going to look through the book of Ecclesiastes this morning and not, and, and not just focus on a couple of verses. We're going to go through several. So <clears throat> we're going to start in um, chapter one. We're going to look at the first four verses. All right, verse 1, the words of the preacher, uh, Solomon is the preacher, uh, that may be better translated as searcher, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. So we, we see here that Solomon is searching for the meaning of life as he approaches the end of his own. 
And again, vanity means emptiness. And we see at the very beginning of the book, Solomon's declaring that life under the sun, it's all vanity. So what good is the profit of our work here and what do we gain? Um, there used to be a phrase back in the day, um, so I've been told, um, said, I thought it was probably in the 80s, I think, because that was a time of great financial growth in our country. And, and the, the phrase was, whoever dies with the most toys wins, and, which isn't true. Whoever dies with the most toys just dies. Okay, that, you've heard me say it from the pulpit before if you remember, but uh, there are no roof racks on hearse, okay? When someone's going to their grave, they're not taking their skis or or a boat, nothing's going with them. So the toys that we acquire here certainly don't matter. Um, So, again, a lot of what, if your perspective is, is, is earthly, then those toys mean a lot to you. But if your perspective is heavenly, then you understand that they're gifts from, the God, from God, they're for us to enjoy, but they are not to be an idol. So then we see in verse 4 another truth that for me was very revealing. Um, it says, what one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Uh, and Michelle and I were talking this week as I was putting my notes together. And, you know, much of what Solomon writes deals with uh, the monotony, the cycle of life when you have an earthly perspective. And, and there's some truth in that. And I was thinking that my parents, um, my dad will be gone 20 years, and my mom was even before that. She died at a young, much younger age. And my children remember my dad, but not not my mom at all. And when my daughters go home to be with the Lord, the memory of my parents, because I'm going to assume I'll be gone by then, um, the memory of my parents will be gone. Now, there'll be pictures. and So when you are not saved, that is a sad way to look at things. Whereas, you know, generations come and go, and what remains are pictures. What is important uh, in a family is that Christ is honored, and that is what is left forever. And, you know, it's important that we as grandparents and parents are pouring into our children those things that matter to God, because the toys of this world are not going to matter, and it's not going um, to hold any, any value at all. Ultimately, it's all going to burn. So... When, when Solomon's looking at life, it is a sad, monotonous cycle. We as Christians don't have that look. You know, our view is, you know, those things that we have, those are gifts from God. And, and yes, we want to uh, be good stewards of them and appreciate them, but they're not kind of the, uh, the idol that, that many make it out to be. And then secondly, you know, as as, as uh, Christian families and generations go forth, you know, we want to, you know, we want our faith to be shared, not stored, right? We want to give our faith away to our children, to those around us. And then our, our, our secondary hope, and just as important, is that 
we'll see them again in heaven. You know, we want, our, we want to have a family reunion in heaven. So it's important that, you know, we as Christians don't place a greater value on those toys that, that uh, much of this world does. So um, let's move down to verses 9 and 10 now. And we'll look at that. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. Again, monotonous cycle that um, Solomon's speaking of. And um, here we see scripture saying everything's been done before and uh, everything's been said before. And uh, if you get enough pastors in one room um, talking about scripture, many of them will say the have the very same things that the Lord has placed on their heart. And, and in a way, it's true. There's nothing new under the sun. We all think that um, you know, God's given us this great revelation that no one else has ever had. Well, that's, that's really not what Solomon is saying here. And then you know, Pastor Chuck makes this comment about it, that you know, surrogate motherhood is now very prevalent uh, in, in our country, but Abraham and Hagar. It's recorded in Scripture that Hagar, uh, Sarah's servant, um, bore Abraham's child. So, nothing new under the sun. Um, so we also see in chapter 1, um, you know, Solomon's ultimate view is everyone's grasping at the wind. And you understand that you can't get a hold of the wind. You can't, you can't grasp it. And then he also says this as he ends the chapter, that as his knowledge increased, so did his sorrow. So knowledge in and of itself is perhaps not beneficial, right? It it is beneficial when God gives us wisdom and we use that to serve him. But Solomon hadn't done that for much of his life. All right, so there's chapter 1. Let's look at chapter 2. And we're going to look at um, nine verses there, verses 3 through 11. I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and especial treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great, and I excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. All my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and all this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon was even living, was leaving, Solomon was living and even working 
for pleasure. Uh, verse 3, uh, he's, he's living for um, pleasure and entertainment. And frankly, we, we see the same things today, don't we? You can, you know, there's thrill seekers and you could pay a lot of money to do just about anything. Um, you know, years ago they started, uh, you know, if you wanted to see what it was like to be a Major League Baseball player, you can go to, you know, well, if you're smart, you go to a Yankee camp and you could see what it's like to be a Yankee for a day where you, or, or a few days where you put on the uniform and get in a dugout and uh, locker room and so on. And, and of course that costs thousands of dollars, but you know, if that's the experience you want, you can, you can have that. But it's such a fleeting event, and, and you know, it's gone in no time. Why? why? I, I don't understand why you'd want to do that. So, you know, that grasping for the wind has continued. There's, there's so many of these experiences that can bring us pleasure, but the issue becomes you always have to increase your thrill. You know, it's never enough. It's, you know, and, and probably alcohol is a perfect uh, analogy here. When someone, when someone begins to drink for pleasure, all right, eventually they need more, and then they need something stronger. And then the more you drink, actually the less enjoyment you're getting out of it. And then, then you have drugs in our society. And you know, one of the things that um, we see happening in our country is we have a couple of states that have already legalized marijuana. Um, I believe that it'll be legalized in our country quicker than, than we believe because I think we'll continue to uh, elect those who don't honor the Lord. Um, so that'll continue to push an agenda that is contrary to Scripture. So I, I think that'll, that'll be coming. So um, the self-gratification that we see, um, it leads to loneliness, you know, the, the, the ones that abuse drugs or abuse alcohol, it leads to loneliness. And um, Orrin Wearsby said this, that we are to be channels, not reservoirs. We are not to be, uh, we are not here to gather up things for ourselves or to gratify ourselves and have be a reservoir. We're to be channels, uh, actually channels for the Lord's sake. Um, you know, getting back to drugs and alcohol. I mean, I know, I knew guys in college and, and, you know, that was, I was at University of Miami in the 70s and it was a pretty big party school and I don't think it's changed very much. But there was a lot of kids who uh, had a lot of money. It was a private school that cost quite a bit uh, then and now. And so there, there was a lot of rich kids and I wasn't one of them. And uh, I didn't know one, not one, who started smoking marijuana and stop there. So those of you who say, or the, anyone who says it's not a gateway drug into other drugs is, is foolish. So that drug will be, that, that's going to be available, I believe, in our country, and, and we're going to legalize it, and we're going we're gonna to say it's for medicinal uses. And um, two instances recently, in the past week and a half, I've heard, um, the coach of the Super Bowl winning team before the game uh, leading up to the game, said that we should be looking at uh, marijuana as a way to help football players um, overcome the effects of a concussion. Okay? There was another football player, plays for the Steelers, who I heard yesterday say that football players needed to reduce stress, 
They need it to help them overcome injuries and basically for every reason except the true the truth, all right? So Satan is busy. He is busy in our country, he's busy in, you know, those who are given to him and you know, for for anyone who thinks that those things aren't important and um, you know, just just look around you and those people that abuse those things and and see how happy they really are. So I mean, it, it's happening all the time that we are sliding in, in a way that um, takes us away from the Lord. And Solomon's lament through much of his life, and at the end of the life, he, his life, he's looking back and saying, gosh, I wasted a lot of time. But, uh, but we, um, and, and then one other thing. You know, gambling's like that too. You know, people start to place bets and um, just probably small bets, right? And they, they might win one, you know? And that thrill of winning money uh, leads to continued excesses in gambling. And so then the only thing that starts to pile up is their losses. And that, you know, is, is yet another uh, sin of our country that we think is okay. And, and it's, it's the more prevalent it gets, you know, the, the more people are caught in that web, in that sin, and it just ruins their life because it's something they have to have more of. Um, but we as believers, um, we should have a much different view of life and of pleasure. You know, before coming to Christ, um, I used to live for the weekends. I couldn't wait to get to the weekend. I wanted to, you know, find pleasure in those, those things that, that everyone else was finding pleasure in. Now that I am uh, saved and been saved for a long time, um, I still look forward to the weekends, but it is to sit in my chair on a Saturday morning and open up the Word and, you know, read a devotion and spend some quiet time with the Lord. Because the, <clears throat> during the week, I, I start work very early, and, it <clears throat> excuse me, and it's uh, difficult to spend a lot of time with the Lord in the mornings. When I get to my... Uh, my desk in the morning, because uh, I have about an hour commute, I get to spend some time with the Lord there. But I look forward to that now. And it's, it's this, I'm still as you know, anxious to get to the weekend, to have that time. And you know, this morning, it's the same thing of just getting up, and it's so quiet, and it's, I find that a glorious time of the day. So I still look forward to the, to the weekends. Um, Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 14, 13, and, and he's speaking of, you know, even though we think we have, we find pleasure in um, some of those experiences. He said, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and in the end of that mirth is heaviness. So those momentary experiences and entertainment, it's not going to do it for you. In verses 4 through 11, we see Solomon involved in various works. Um, and he's looking to make life uh, just more enjoyable. Uh, he's accomplished much and found pleasure in, in the doing of these works and projects. So while the journey was pleasurable for him, the result uh, brought him pain. Uh, Pastor Henry Ward Beecher said this, and he's talking about success. Success is full of promise until men get it. 
and then it is last year's nest from which the birds have flown. And, and that's so true. Uh, I, you know, I could think of the times where, uh, you know, I've seen some of my peers um, go on and, you know, put in a lot of time and, and, and willing to travel anywhere to get promoted. Um, and those promotions, they, they go away quickly. And, uh, you know, when you live for that, that success is so fleeting. It's so fleeting. Uh, you know, I, I think of, you know, really our world is, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? That's how we, we, we think of things. And, and that's how, you know, companies think of things. You always have to do something more to please them and, and to, to get promoted and to keep going. And, and yet if we have the stability of the Lord in our life, we are just absolutely unshakable in our uh, daily walk. But if you don't have that immovable uh, fortress that is the Lord in your life, then you continue to want to strive and seek and get caught up in this cycle that Solomon is speaking of. Now, he's not saying that we are not to work. He's, if you look in Proverbs, he exalts work. And he does not speak well of laziness. In the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2.15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And in Proverbs, one of my favorite verses is uh, Proverbs 6.6, 6, which says, Go to the anno slugger, be wise and observe her ways. We are to be, we're not to be slothful. We are to be, um, particularly men, we are to be working. We are to provide. Um, So Solomon exalts diligence but condemns laziness. And so the point is we're not to live life to achieve things for achievement's sake, right? But we're to work unto the Lord for his glory. So in short, I may want... <clears throat> I want my peers to know that I'm a born-again believer, okay? I want my neighbors to know that I love the Lord. So what is my reputation? I mean, that's, that's really what's important. So, you know, I, wanna, I want my peers to, to say that I have a good work ethic and that I do things with integrity. Um, and that's how I want to honor the Lord. Beyond that, being you know, the assistant pastor here and an elder, I'm accountable to what an elder should be as seen in 1 Timothy 3.7, which reads, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall in a reproach in the snare of the devil. There's an application for everyone here. So what is your testimony at your job in your neighborhood? Um, hopefully... Everyone would know that you are a a believer and that you love the Lord. And that should be evident in the things you say and do at work and in your neighborhood. It should be evident that if, you know, someone looks at your house or wherever you live, that you love the Lord because that's a gift from God. And you should be caring for it. You should be a good steward of it. If you don't do those things, you are not being a channel for the Lord, right? You're being a reservoir 
just holding everything in. So it's important that, you know, in the things that we're doing, and, and you know, as, as Solomon was talking about those projects and these works that he achieved, these great things, his love for the Lord was not apparent. He did not honor the Lord in those things. And as he looks back, he's saying, you know, he, he looks back, you know, with sadness and emptiness uh, on those things. So lastly, as it relates to this part of Scripture, does your family know? Can they tell the difference between your pre-Christ and post-Christ life, assuming they knew you in both of those times? It's important. You know, that's what's important. Not that you achieve anything, you do anything. That's what's important. Those things last generations. The other things are going to burn away. All right, let's move on to chapter 3. And in this chapter, we see Solomon reaffirm that God is in control. He controls times and seasons. And yes, there was a song back well before I was born in the 60s that um, uh, was a hit song. All, and, and it was all of this part of, uh, part of Scripture, but I'm not going to read it. So we're going to look at verses 12 through 22. And we finally see that Solomon is, um, he understands and reaffirms that God is in control. Starting in verse 12, I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which has already been and what is to be has already been. And God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw under the sun... In the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for, there's a, for, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart concerning the conditions of the men, sons of men, God tests them, that they may see themselves, that they, that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them. As one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to the dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men which goes upward, and the spirit of the animal which goes down to the earth? So I perceive that nothing is better than that, A man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who could bring him to see what will happen after him? So we see that in verses 12 through 14, our lives can be enjoyable now. And it's when we view life uh, that all good things are gifts from God. Then then we could um, see that life will be enjoyable. Um, But again, that comes with a heavenly perspective um, so that we would see things differently. And life is not so monotonous. You know, as men, you know, if we view things as, as gifts from God, we don't change jobs every, you know, couple of months thinking there's something better. Look, those things, you know, all good things and all, are perfect. And they come from God. Uh, James 1.17, all good things and perfect things are from God. So it's important that we you know, understand those things and, and take all these little blessings uh, as from the Lord and, and, and hold them dearly. 
So uh, I just want to share this, that, you know, having my family near me uh, is a tremendous blessing for me and for my wife. Um, having everyone 15 minutes is, is just 15 minutes away is, is wonderful. But with that blessing uh, is something we take very seriously. You know, we um, know that it's our calling to, uh, you know, be a godly influence on our grandchildren. So in that blessing, because it, it's, it's all taken some um, sacrifice for us to be near each other, um, we take that very seriously. Um, so um, those things, those little things that the Lord has allowed, man, just don't look at them flippantly, okay? It's, so, it's such a great thing for us. And I know that not every time it can be for every family, but for this season in our life, we have that and we want to uh, we understand it's a very high calling and we take it very seriously. And we believe that that's a blessing from God. So you have to look at things in that light, right? That, that these good things are from the Lord. Moving on um, in verses 15 through 22, we see what is ahead. And Solomon, who often spoke of death and what is to come, we see in verse 15, he speaks of the cycle of life once again. Um, the concept that there's nothing new under the sun. And he also adds that God requires an account of the past. And it occurs to me that, um, you know, things happen very quickly. You know, they, I can remember, um, you know, when, um, you know, Pastor Tim and his family just came and it seems like yesterday, but it was like, I don't know, 13 years ago. Uh, I think of um, Sarah Moncrief as a uh, young girl in uh, the children's ministry is now married. And, uh, I mean, th- things happen very quickly, and we have to have an and God requires an account of the time that he gives us. And uh, it, it is all very, uh, very fleeting. Time is very fleeting. And, you, you know, you're probably looking up here saying, well, you know, well, Randy's what, about 40, and, uh, and uh, you know, he might look at things that way. But um, actually, I'm 56, and, and I do look at things that way because things happen so quickly. You know, uh, it doesn't seem that long ago that I was in college, and, uh, uh, and yet now I'm a, a grandfather. So, folks, uh, you know, that's what Solomon is lamenting. I don't lament my life. I am excited about what uh, the Lord has for me now and what he has for me in the future. And that's because I have that perspective of heaven. But, you know, it won't be long where there'll be someone sitting here uh, as a young man that may be sharing up here. And uh, it'll go by very quickly. And and even now, uh, you know, God requires uh, accounting of our time in fact, he even, um, as we look in a few minutes, he even specifically speaks to young people. So, um, also in verses 16 and 17, um, Solomon writes of injustices. Um, and many people don't understand why some things would happen, uh, you know, in their lives or uh, why 9-11 or those type of things. But... I think that when we have the Lord in our heart, 
we trust that he has a purpose for everything, right? So that when we have that perspective, our trust is in him. And even though we may not understand it at the moment, again, that unshakable trust that we have in the Lord is what keeps us grounded, no matter uh, what we don't understand and what seems to be an injustice. Then um, 18 to 22, we see that we are tested by God and, and God's revealing what we're, we're truly like. And if we leave God out of our life, um, we are much like an animal, is what Solomon's writing. We, uh, we live like a beast and die like a beast, is basically what he said. Psalm 32.9 reads this way. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. So Solomon's pointing out we have two things uh, in common with animals. We both die and we both return to dust. But the important matter for us as a believer is that we will have a resurrected body and a heavenly home. Also here, uh, much to the dismay of uh, some animal lovers. Um, you know, it says our spirit goes up and animals' spirit uh, goes down. So we, uh, you know, we will be judged for our actions. And, and you know, if, if Christ uh, is our Savior, uh, you know, heaven is our home. For an animal, uh, let me say this. If you ever heard of that movie, Old Dogs Go to Heaven? That's a lie. Um, so, um, you know, the spirit of an animal ceases to exist, okay? That's, that's what happens. Now, I love dogs, okay? No, don't, you don't have to come up to me afterwards and say uh, anything about an animal or anything. I, I love them. But when we, place, when we place them above the place that God has intended, we're, we're wrong. And it's, it's amazing. We, were, we turned on the local news. I don't know if it was Friday night or... Well, no, it must have been Friday night. And, uh, I mean, I thought it was comical. I, I, I didn't even think, I thought they were, like, joking. But, so we're watching the local news, and um, this truck filled with chickens going to the processing plant, right? They're going, the, it's the end of our life, right? So, on the way, the truck gets into an accident. Some of the chickens die. Some lady wanted to set up a monument to the chickens who died, I'm not kidding. She wanted to, yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing as I'm listening to it. This is actually the truth, and I don't even know, because when we turned it on, that story was already running. I don't know if it was, I mean, she could live out right here before all I know, but I don't even know where it happened, but it was, it's the truth where here they're going to be processed to be on our plate, and they die on the way, and now they want, she wanted to send up a monument, and she started talking. I, I couldn't stop laughing. I don't even know what she said. But uh, that, that's the type of um, elevation of the animal kingdom that we as believers should not uh, be a part of. Um, I want to read you this one poem, um, and it's by Jay Parker, and it, and it talks about God being in control, and it's very short. It says, God holds the key of all unknown, and I am glad. If other hands should hold the key, or if he trusted it to me, I might be sad. I cannot read his future plans, but this I know. I have the smiling of his face and all the refuge of his grace while here below. Thankfully, God is still in control. Um, so we've looked at life under the sun, 
and quickly go to chapter 12, and we're going to look at life lived with the Son. And I'm going to start reading it because I'm running out of time. Chapter 12. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of, ter- of terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden, and desire fails, for a man goes to his, his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, his, he still taught the people. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails, given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So first we see Solomon challenging young people to serve God as much as you can. Don't waste your time. And as you get older, you will have a different perspective than when you were younger. Uh, You'll look back and see the time uh, that was wasted. When I came to Christ at 23... I still wasted time. I mean, I still love the Lord, but I wasted time. I could have been serving him in a, in a, in a much greater way. Um, and it's easy to neglect the Lord when you start enjoying the pleasures of the world. They take your attention, and those pleasures are very fleeting. So uh, we also see um, difficult days are coming in life, and it's important that we lay a strong um, spiritual foundation in our family. Uh, First with ourselves, that we are uh, doing our due diligence in in the Word and and spending time uh, growing. And then we generationally give that to our children. Verses 3 through 8 speak of the coming of old age. And um, our bodies begin to tremble and our eyes grow weak and strong men bow down. And I have a, a bulky back that causes me to, to bow down. And uh, I, I will tell you that those things are coming. Uh, some of us experience it already, um, but they're coming to you uh, if you don't have it yet. Um, what's funny is that, you know, my back will do what it wants to do. And um, I have a knee that is the same way. And, but you put me in a competition somewhere, and my back and my knee have a voice and my brain is hard of hearing. And, and, you know, for a time I can, you know, continue to do some things that I used to do as a younger man. 
but I pay for them. And, uh, and, I, some, some, and, and that's prideful, by the way, when, when I think I can do what I used to do. Um, but uh, I, still, I still have to go out there, and, and I, I just enjoy those you know, competitions or we play football or whatever it is. And, and I know you, you think that's crazy, but I still like it. Um, <clears throat> verses 6 and 7 speak of death being no respecter of wealth. The uh, golden bowl and silver cord represent wealth because back then most did not have that. So when the cord snaps, that's they're speaking of death. It comes to those who uh, are wealthy as well. So si- Solomon kind of closes as he, be- as he began by saying vanities of vanity, all is vanity. Verses 9 through 12, he exhorts us to learn our lessons well. And God speaks to us in many ways. Um, he uses a lot of different vehicles to, uh, to speak to us. Um, he teaches us through his word, as we see in verse 11. Uh, speaks to us through his creation. We've seen that in uh, many areas of scripture. And then he speaks to us through experiences in life. And that's the value of um, someone who's mature in the Lord. And we have a few men in our body that I look at that way that are similar age to me. I think they're so valuable to our, um, our body because they are an example to men uh, of someone who is, who is serving faithfully even at this time and season of their life. Finally, in verses 13 and 14, and this is what Pastor Damian Kyle would say is clarity in teaching. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. So the whole book, he writes about his um, sadness and emptiness as he kind of chased the pleasures of the world. And then he gets to the bottom line. Fear God and keep his commandments. And really, that's it. That's the whole of life as Solomon sees it, and he regretted that he didn't do that all of his life. So a reverent fear of the Lord is what makes our path straight, and it keeps our heart joyful. Um, so this time that we have, we're accountable for it. Let's use it for his glory. Um, Solomon's lament is a warning to us that um, we should not get caught up in the things of this world that are so you know, transient and temporary and, and, and really take us away from serving the Lord. So we began this morning with two outreaches, right? We have um, loaves and fish, and we have the Hilliard House, um, that, that both, uh, both men and uh, the Lord laid on their heart to start serving in that way. We go into Bonaire tonight um, where... There are, I don't know, probably a thousand kids somewhere in there that, that um, you know, spending this time of their life behind bars. And yet, what a great opportunity it is for us to go and share the gospel with them. There are plenty of ways to serve. Um, don't, don't waste time on those things that aren't important. Uh, you want true joy in life, it's serving the Lord. If I brought up a few men that, have, uh, that are perhaps a little uh, more mature, 
they would tell you that their most joyful time is serving the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we introduced seven deacons, uh, and we brought their wives up because Scripture speaks of the wife of a deacon. But, you know, in serving the Lord uh, in, in this fellowship, um, I'm sure there's some trepidation in their walk because it's a new season. It's a new responsibility. There's a new accountability for it. But it'll also be an exciting time, and it'll be a joyful time for them because they are starting to walk in that um, excitement of serving the Lord. And there's others. There's others that are uh, exciting about serving. If you watch Marty this morning, he's excited about serving the Lord. You know, he's, he, it's apparent. And I, and I love his passion for that. So there, there is, that's not a burden. Serving him is not a burden. So as the worship team comes up, I just want to, um, you know, encourage you to find the encouragement of service. It's not a burden. It is a time for you to continue to grow and, and um, be a channel for his glory. And as um, Tuan is quietly playing, I want to invite anyone who um, would like to serve the Lord in a greater way. Just take a moment. If you want to serve him in a greater way, just stand right where you are. I'm not going to have you come up. But I want to pray for you that you would continue to take that step, that bold step to serve the Lord in a greater way. So as he prays, as he um, starts to play quietly, um, let's just take a few moments to um, search your heart and see if the Lord's speaking to you about serving him in a greater way.